0: We are going to look at the book of Daniel today. Today, next week, we'll look at the book of Daniel. Just a few little highlights here and there. But the Bible says that um, Daniel was a prophet. Now, you may not find that word in the book of Daniel, but uh, where would you find where Daniel is a prophet? How do you know that Daniel is a prophet? What would you use? How would you prove that? Well, let me give you a clue. Take your Bible and look there in the book of Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. And you'll notice there is a verse there that Jesus said, Jesus said, as He's talking to His disciples about the end times, telling them what's going to happen in the future. So He says in verse 15, when you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel, the what? The prophet. prophet. So Jesus says Daniel was a prophet. That means he prophesied not only things that were going to happen soon there, but also what was going to happen in the future, 2,500 years later. Because it's already been 2,000 years and about 500 to 600 years since he wrote the book of Daniel. So we have a prophecy. So the book of Daniel is not just about Daniel and the three Hebrew children. It's about a lot of things called prophecy. And uh, it's about the times of the Gentiles. When the Bible talks about the times of the Gentiles, it means the times when Israel is without a king. You realize how long it's been since Israel has been without a king over the king of Israel? And you're talking about a long, long time ago after Jeconiah. God says, no one of his line would ever sit upon the throne of Israel. Well, that's been a long time ago. Now, Jesus came, but he was rejected, so he never got to rule. So if Jesus doesn't come back, Israel is forever without a king. But I got news for you. He's coming back and he is going to be the king. So that is going to take place. Now when you study the book of Daniel, you've got 12 wonderful chapters. Uh, the first chapter through the sixth chapter is, well, it's, uh, it's historical. It's what's going on, where he was, and what was happening at that time. And then from chapter seven to the end of the chapter uh, of the book, well, then you're talking about prophetical So there is historical, half of the book, and prophetical, the last half of the book. So you have a nice little outline of the entire book. Now the book of Daniel was written in Hebrew Aramaic. And uh, so it's something to to keep in mind because uh, from chapter one to chapter two and three, and then jump over there to chapter 8 and so on. Uh, it's chapter 7, verse 28. It's talking about what was written in Hebrew. And then after that, it's Aramaic, kind of squashed in between some of those chapters. So when you talk about Hebrew, that was to the Jews. Aramaic, which was a type of uh, a Chaldean language, which was a Babylon but also Syria, which is Syriac, but that's uh, uh, for the Gentiles. So the book is written in two different languages, Hebrew and also Aramaic. So you have the book laid out in 12 chapters. First six chapters is, you know, historical and prophetical, and in two different languages. And uh, so it kind of breaks things down, and it's uh, a very interesting book. Because when you study about Daniel, many believe that Daniel and the, the Hebrew children that came was really, you know, young teenagers. They, they, they many believe they were at least 20 and under, under 20 years of age. Some believe 14, 15, 16, but it, it's really just a guess. But we believe they were young because the Bible says so. Look there in the book of Daniel in chapter one. Daniel in chapter one. These fellows did have a, a pretty good testimony, and uh, they were looked upon as very different individuals. You see, a king would often conquer, but he would take the choice ones that he could you know, train in his uh, kingdom. And so these young boys, well, they were top-notch. They were noble. So you look there in what he says in uh, verse 3, and the king spake unto Aspenez, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes, children in whom was no blemish, well-favored, skillful in all wisdom, cunning in knowledge, understanding science, and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the learning and the tongues of the Chaldeans. So this is what they were after. And then they wanted to train them for about three years. And then after that, they would be able to stand before the king. So they had about three years, as we often say, three years of Bible college, but theirs wasn't Bible college. But three years to prepare them. But they also wanted them to eat the king's meat. And so, um, instead of trying to figure out, okay, what's, clean meat and unclean, that would be an issue, that would be a problem. So they decided, we'll eat nothing but vegetables. So they had a little contest going on there, but look what he says in verse 8. Just so that you know ahead of time, but Daniel purposed in his heart, he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Wherefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. And the prince of the eunuchs said unto Daniel, I fear my lord the king, who hath appointed your meat and your drink. For why should he see your faces worse liking than the children which are of your sort? then shall you make me endanger my head to the king. He said, well, don't, don't you guys understand? You've got to eat this certain food because it'll make you look good. And then when you stand before the king, they will see your countenance and all in your flesh and see how you look. And you're not going to look too good. And so Daniel says, uh, well, why don't we do this? Have a test just for 10 days. Now, some people take this seriously and um, well, you know, if I was to eat nothing but vegetables, would I be healthier than if I eat meat? So we have vegetarians and we have the meat lovers. There's one guy, he shot a deer and was eating it. And this vegetarian came up and says, what are you doing? He says, I caught him eating your food. So you can have all kinds of interesting little things, you know, you can say about certain people. Um, but we're not to condemn others who don't have the same mind and don't agree. Uh, try to find out what's good for your own body. And if you want to eat pork and have a high, you know, blood pressure and cholesterol, then go ahead. My stepdad, my stepdad, he's a big man. He was about 260, something like that. He ate all the grease he wanted. He ate, you know, a pork, all the bacon, fried it in grease, looking at the grease, and he would just eat all of that stuff. And he'd go to the doctor and his cholesterol, he never had to take anything. Cholesterol was down, never had high blood pressure. he eat every bit of it. And some people hated him because they could look at it and their cholesterol goes straight up. Not everybody's body is exactly, you know, the same. But you've got to find out what will help you to be healthy. But anyway, this is what they did. So he says in verse 11, Prove thy servants, I beseech thee, ten days, and let us give us pulse to eat, which means we believe is beans or vegetables eat, and water to drink. So, pretty simple little diet. And he says, And then you look at us in ten days, so maybe you want to take and go on a 10-day trial and just see what would happen. Well, in 10 days something did happen. And it says there in verse 17, "As for these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill and all learning and wisdom, and Daniel had understand it in visions and in dreams and all those things." So, and at the end in verse 18, at the end of the days that the king had said he should bring them in, Then the prince of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar, and the king communed with them, and among them all was none found, like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore stood they before the king, and in all matters of wisdom and in understanding that the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were in all his realm, And Daniel continued even until the first year of King Cyrus. So there was a difference. There was a difference in their countenance and everything about them. You see up there in verse 15 where he makes a statement about what they ate. And at the end of 10 days, their countenances appeared fairer and fatter in flesh than all the children which did eat the portion of the king's meat. So it made a difference in their countenance and how they looked and their flesh and all that. So um, maybe it'll make you look better. You watch every one of y'all are gonna leave this morning and you say, I'm not gonna touch another piece of meat and I wanna see how nice I'll look. Try it, I don't care. (laughs) The other night they had some food for the little kids and it's very difficult if you just ate nothing but vegetables to, to come to some of the things that we have because they had pizza, they had hot dogs, And so it's either I eat some of that or I'm going to die. So I enjoyed it. Anyway, take your Bible and look there in the book of Hebrews in chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. You'll notice that in Hebrews chapter 11, even though the name isn't really mentioned there in the Hall of Faith chapter, you would think that of all these people, he would have been mentioned But um, in Hebrews chapter 11, it does have a hint that you would assume this is who he's talking about. Verse 33, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises. And notice these words, stop the mouths of lions. Now there's only one that we know that did that, and that was Daniel. And uh, how did that happen with Daniel? Well, because he was thrown into the lion's den. And have uh, you ever been in a lion's den? I haven't. I've had a lion after me. The Bible says that the devil as a roaring lion seeketh whom he may devour. So Satan is always after you. And you just can't see him. A lion is on your trail. And he's trying to do you in. Take your Bible and look in the book of Isaiah. The book of Isaiah. In Chapter 39. Chapter 39. Y'all just studied a little bit about Hezekiah not long ago, but uh, in Isaiah chapter 39, there's a, uh, a portion of the scripture that kind of continues after uh, Hezekiah had, well, messed up. He was real sick, remember, and he wanted the Lord to give him some extension of life. So how many years more did he give him? Anybody know? Fifteen more years to live. And uh, did he use those 15 years real wisely? Not exactly. Now, he did have another kid that became king after him, Manasseh. But here you have Hezekiah. And um, he had some visitors from some foreign country. You know what foreign country that was? Babylon. Babylon. They came because they heard Hezekiah had been sick. Isn't that wonderful that somebody cares so much that they would travel 800 miles one way because you were sick, and they come to see how you're doing. By the time they got there, how long do you think it took? (laughs) Say, two months later, hey, we heard you were sick. We thought we'd come and see how you're doing. Well, he's dead. We buried him a month and a half ago. Not really, but... So um, Isaiah wasn't excited about... These visitors had came. So he asked them the question. Look there in verse 2. And Hezekiah, because they had heard he would have been sick. And Hezekiah was glad of them and showed them the house of his precious things, the silver and the gold and the spices and the precious ointment and all the house of his army and all that was found in his treasures. There was nothing in his house nor in all of his dominion that Hezekiah showed them not. Wasn't that wonderful of him to show how good God has been to him, how God has blessed them, and let these enemies from a foreign country see everything they had. You think they might have got an idea? Come back and get it. So in verse 3, Then came Isaiah the prophet, unto king Hezekiah, said unto him, What said these men? From whence came they unto thee? Hezekiah said, Uh, They are come from a far country unto me, even from Babylon. Then said he, What have they seen in thine house? And Hezekiah answered, All that is in mine house have they seen. There is nothing among my treasures that I have not showed them. And then said Isaiah to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord of hosts. Behold, the days come that all that is in thine house... And that which thy fathers have laid up in store unto this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, said the Lord. And of thy sons that shall issue from thee, which thou shalt beget, shall they take away, and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. That's why they were made eunuchs. And he says, then said Hezekiah to Isaiah, good is the word of the Lord which thou hast spoken. He said, moreover, for there shall be peace and truth in my days. As long as everything is okay in my days, that's after me. I'm not worried about it. You know, that's the way a lot of people are. They're not concerned about what happens to the kids and the grandkids. And he just told them what's going to happen because of what you did. Well, it's a shame, but that's what goes on. Now, we often talk about these three Hebrew children, Me shake, you shake, none of the bed we go. When I was talking to little kids, and I would say, have you ever been afraid? And i talking talking about, it. and then some people call it the my shack, your shack, and the bungalow. But it's uh, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, three individuals. But now, here in the book of Daniel, I want you to see what God says about this man, a little bit about his character. Uh, Look what he says in verse 14 of chapter 2. There's no way we can cover the whole book of Daniel in two Sunday school lessons. So we're just hitting uh, the highlights of the man. So in verse 14, then Daniel answered with counsel and wisdom. And he says to Ariok, the captain of the king's guard, which was gone forth to slay the wise men of Babylon. He answered and says to Ariok, the king's captain, why is the decree so hasty from the king? Then Ariok made the thing known to Daniel because the king was going to kill everybody who could not tell him the dream that he had. They said, tell us the dream and we'll tell you what it means. He said, no, you tell me what I dreamed. Then I'll know that you got the interpretation right. Well, he saw through that. So he says here, give me some time. And he says that he would desire of the Lord. Now look at verse 19. Then was the secret revealed unto Daniel in a night vision. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God for ever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. And he changed the times and the seasons. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise, and knowledge to them that know understanding. He revealeth the deep and the secret things. He knoweth what is in the darkness, and light dwelleth with him. So, the Bible is telling us, look what Daniel thought about God. And then maybe you'll understand why God thought about Daniel. And God used him in a great way. And he allowed these different people to have visions. Then they'd have to go to Daniel to find out what it meant. And in all these cases, it kept elevating Daniel in the kingdom and next thing you know, he got to be ruler over and over again in key places, key positions. So he was moving right along, doing a real good job. Now notice what he says here. I want you to look there in Daniel chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6. This is the one that we have over there in the book of Daniel in chapter 11, verse 33, when he talks about Stop the mouths of lions. And this is where this story comes from. In Daniel chapter 6. Now, is it possible for people in place of leadership to pass laws for the specific purpose of taking down God's children? Because they wanted this law to be passed where you couldn't pray to anybody unless you prayed to the king. Well, Daniel wouldn't pray to no king. So if he didn't pray to the king, then he would be thrown into the uh, lion's den. So you look, notice what it said. in verse 1, chapter 6. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom a hundred and twenty princes, which should be over the whole kingdom. Because see, now you didn't move from the Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, now you're up into the Medes and the Persians, and where you have a different one, Cyrus and Darius. And he says in verse 2, And over these three presidents, of whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give account unto them, and the king should have no damage. In other words, you had key people in place of leadership. They were like shock absorbers on a car. You know, you want the car to run smooth, so you've got wheels that come into contact with the road. Well, if you've got shock absorbers, it absorbs the shock so that it gives a car still a smooth ride. Well, in a ministry, you want that. In a home, you want that. You want the dad to be able to absorb the shock so that the, the family runs smooth. And when the family's not running smooth, something's wrong, and you don't have the shock absorbers that you like to have. And sometimes a shock can go bad. Do you ever have a shock go bad? Seem like they really want to charge an awful lot for a shock. But it all depends on just how smooth of a ride do you want. Well, in a family, you need shock absorbers. People like a a dad and a mom that know how to absorb pressure. But not let it destroy the home. In in a church, you want to have shock absorbers. You've got elders and deacons that are like shock absorbers because you're dealing with people of all walks of life. And so not everybody is spiritually minded and sees everything the same way and on the same page, and people got problems. So you want people who can help solve problems. So like in a church, people of leadership are supposed to be problem solvers. If it wasn't for you being able to solve a problem, you couldn't get a job. Everybody who has a job is solving somebody else's problem. That's why they pay you. They pay you to solve a problem. True? And if you don't have any skills in solving a problem, you probably won't get a high-paying job. So, if you go to McDonald's, you have sometimes younger kids that are just trying to find a way to make a little bit of money. They don't make a lot, but they make a little bit. But they have to have... Supply and demand. Somebody has to come in there and demand some food, and they have to supply it. Somebody has to serve it. Somebody has to take the money. So it's supply and demand. And if nobody demands the food, they don't have any food to supply, so they don't need each other. Now, when you develop more skills, there's somebody who wants to pay you for that skill. Serving the Lord... You learn more about the Word of God, and a lot of people have a lot of spiritual problems. The more you know, the more you can resolve some of their questions and problems. So you're able to be used by the Lord because you are a problem solver. You help solve problems. And so whenever somebody finds out that you can solve problems because you have some wisdom and understanding, then more people will come to you for counseling, for advice. Now, this is why if you give them advice, wouldn't it be a shame if they took it and it was wrong advice? That's why you want to say, well, God says. God says. Always keep it between them and God. And you help solve the problem by getting them to the Lord. If somebody ever comes to see me, I do the first thing I can try to get them to the Lord. I had a man come to see me uh, yesterday. So he was checking my heart and I was checking his heart. And uh, before he got out of here, he trusted the Lord. But he had a problem, but he didn't even know he had the problem. But I knew he had a problem. He had a spiritual problem. He didn't know where he was going when he dies. When he left, he did. So you solve a person's problem. And this is what we do. This is why God uses certain people. He puts them in place of leadership so that they can solve problems. But look what he says. In verse 4, then the presidents and the princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the king. Now, there was nothing wrong with his leadership. There was nothing wrong with Daniel's character. It's just that they didn't like his God. And it looks like, well, if he was made to be first, hey, this guy come from someplace else. He's not even from us. He's not, he's not one of us. But the king was looking for somebody that would do the job. So Daniel, who had this wisdom that God had given to him, was able to meet needs, solve problems. So they wanted to get rid of this problem solver so that they can get, so greed is a terrible thing. Jealousy is an ugly sin. Envying, they would do whatever it took to get rid of him. So they had the king pass a law saying that he can't do something according to his religion. So that's how they got him. Now we finally got rid of this man. Well, he says in verse 4, they were looking for an occasion, for as much as he was faithful, see that verse, part of the verse in verse 4, for as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found him. They couldn't find anything against this guy, that they could, you know, tattle on him. In verse 5, then said they, these men, we shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. So now you know that there's a reason why they were doing They didn't like Daniel. He was in place of leadership. They got to bring him down. And this is what a lot of people are doing today. They're passing laws that targets believers, targets Christians. So if they can just get us to compromise, well, see, then we'll just sink into the woodwork and nobody will even know and will not say anything against them anymore because we don't want to suffer the consequences.